Praise God. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday prayer service. You know, I just, I just, uh, it just occurred to me that we're no longer doing testimonies on our Wednesday prayer service. So, with that said, uh, I will assign the group of Ruth to please choose somebody from your group to give a testimony next Wednesday. Is that okay? Because I know the last two testimonies from the, the when we started the Wednesday service was from the group of uh, Loretta right so Loretta and Larry gave testimonies and I know they can keep giving testimonies they told me that uh, but they want to kind of oh yeah your your mom gave too huh okay yes Atitulse. well okay if you guys don't want to give testimonies that's okay just let me know and we can go to the next group. <laughs> Do you guys have any testimony? So, you guys choose if you have anybody that can give a testimony. If not, let me know so we can go to the next group will be Tita Marcy's group. If they don't have anybody that will uh, give a testimony, can I ask Tita Marcy? So, if they do it on Wednesday, we'll do it with you guys the following Wednesday. And then our group the following and then going back to the other groups so that we can rotate i know we have a lot of prayer answered prayer in this in this church so it's just a matter of really sharing it right okay great why what happened <laughs> we were like lively with the fireworks edgar can you turn this back on again <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, let's uh, please join me in a word of prayer and then we can get to our, our, our message for tonight. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the songs that you prepared for us. We thank you for this Wednesday evening. We thank you for your sovereign hand making it possible for all of us to be here safe and sound, Lord God, despite the crazy drivers out there. Father, we thank you for this building that you provided for us and we thank you for the expansion or the renovation that's going again. Uh, we thank you for the people that you have touched and have yielded to your um, moving. May you strengthen them and con continue to keep them safe and bless them, Lord God. And I pray now, Father, we pray for blessings for the singers and, and Naomi and, and, and everybody in the back, Lord God. We pray for the prayer warriors that are here. May you bless them by your, with your message tonight. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing about us, Lord God, and our inadequacies, Lord God, hinder you from speaking to us and for us hearing you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you guys have your uh, Bible apps, please go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be reading about Elijah flees to Horeb. If you guys um, want, I, I would suggest you turn to your Bibles or you could also look in the screen as uh, my sister uh, is very generous tonight. Here you go. So uh, let me begin reading. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a, a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he, be, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. 
while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. So I entitled our, our message tonight, oh sorry I wasn't flipping it, uh, Failing Faith. Uh, this is our second week in our series in our prayer service about failing faith. Uh, this is where we discuss on the disappointments in life and how we treat our faith and how it's exposed. Um, so this week, tonight, we're going to be talking about how uh, trials, when they come in our lives, it's to strengthen our faith. Right? Because when trials come, it either weakens our faith or strengthens it. God's purpose is to strengthen our faith when trials come. The enemy's purpose when he sends temptations, you can also see it as trials, but it's more so uh, temptation, is so that we are disheartened. So we just read about uh, Elijah. Uh, the first point is trials tempts, tempts us to give up. Elijah, before the chapter that we just read, he was he met against the false prophets, the priests of, of the other faith, and he invited them for a competition, so to speak. And he beat them. He said, if your God is, is real, right, have him burn these, these animals here, these sacrifices here. Right? And then and, and he proved, and people were people knew that the God that Elijah was serving was the real God. But then it only took Jezebel, right? Men, this is the biggest question mark all the time for everybody, right? It was Eve for Adam, right? It was uh, Bathsheba for David. It's Jezebel for Elijah. And it's three little women for Peter, right? Why, for some odd reason, men are so weak when there's a strong woman personality in their lives, we, we tend to cower down right away instead of, instead of really stepping up to the role of leadership. So he just performed a powerful feat, feat through the ministry. Uh, if you look at 1 Kings 18, 20 to 46, and as a result, the prophet was forced to go on the run because Jezebel gave him, told him that I'm going to kill you. Now, during this exodus, Elijah asked God to take his life. Imagine, imagine. A person that God used to perform and, and to show and demonstrate everybody that, to everyone during that time that God is real got scared of a, of a woman with power, of course. And then he just told God, just take me now. You know, sometimes in our lives, us Christians, despite the fact, despite the fact that we know that our God is real, when a threat, a strong threat, similar to Jezebel's threat, comes our way, 
we tend to run away. And we forget how powerful our God is. We forget who we belong to, right? Now, it could not be a threat per se, but it could be a trial in our lives. Something horrific, like a loved one dying, right? Or uh, uh, someone of our, uh, a loved one leaves us, whether they go to the Philippines or they move out, right? They turn 18, they move out. Then there's, there's a trial, you know, there's, sometimes we forget. You know, um, I'm reminded of Bong when he had the, Bong bought a parakeet and he named his parakeet uh, pet Jim Boy. Now the parakeet never saw it coming. Jim Boy never saw it coming. One day, uh, one second, the, the bird, Jim Boy, was peacefully perched in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. Now the, problem, the problems began when Bong decided to clean Jim Boy's cage with a vacuum clean, cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Bong removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. Then his phone rang, and then Bong turned to pick it up. Now, Bong barely said hello when the vacuum sucked in Jim Boy. In the <laughs> now, Bong gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the back. There was Jim Boy, still alive, but stunned, right? Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, Bong grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Jim Boy under the running water to clean them up. Then realizing that Jim Boy was soaked and shivering, Bong did what any compassionate bird owner would do. Bong reached out for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with the hot air. Now, poor Jim Boy never knew what would hit him that Monday morning. <laughs> now, a few days after the trauma, a reporter who initially had written about the, the incident contacted Bong to see how the bird was recovering. Now, Bong replied, Jim Boy doesn't sing much anymore but just sits and stares. Now, it's hard not to see why. You're sucked in, you're wa washed up, and then you're blown over. Right? That's enough to steal the song from the, the stoutest heart. Right? Sometimes, don't you feel that way? Right? You, you, you come in, you, you start your morning, you start your week, you, you heard a message that maybe encouraged you, and, and then you start your Monday, and all of a sudden... They lay you off. You get laid off. You're there early with your lunch, all, you know, salmon, baked salmon. You came from the Villa Nuevas the night before, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a great lunch for me. And then they say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go home. We just laid you off, right? Or you're starting your morning. You have plans like, oh, yeah, next March we're going to do this. We're going to go to Mexico and, and this and that. And then all of a sudden you get the news that you're, they're going to have to cut your finger because there's gangrene there. And you're just like, oh no, what's going to happen? Health issues come, right? Sometimes we, all these things happen, and then what do we do, right? The tendency really is this, because human nature is far from not reacting this way. We get discouraged, and rightfully so, right? Who, 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 who in their right mind will say, Yahoo, I got laid off? Maybe a Democrat, maybe. So, but, you know, it's, but it's just your thinking, right? You're, you want to have a good life. You think you accepted Christ and life should be good from that point on, right? You accepted Christ and there should be no more trouble. But when you read the Bible, that's far from what Jesus told us. What did Jesus say? In this life, you will have trouble. 
but behold, I have overcome the world. Now there's this guy named Louis Albert Banks tells of an elderly Christian man, a fine singer who learned that he had cancer of the tongue and that surgery was required. Now in the hospital, after everything was, read, was ready for the operation, the man said to the doctor, Are you sure I will never sing again? The surgeon found it difficult to answer his question. The surgeon simply shook his head no. The, the patient then asked if he could sit up for a moment. And he said, I've had many good times singing the praises of God. He said, and now you tell me I can never sing again? I have one song that will be my last. It will be of gratitude and praise to God. There in the doctor's presence, the man sang softly the words of Isaac Watts' hymn, I'll praise my maker while I've breathed, and when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler power, my days of praise shall never be passed. While life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. Now, like Elijah and like Louis Albert Banks, it's easy to feel like God has forgotten us during difficult times. Amen? But we have to remember that it's read there in James 1, 2-8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now again, when God sends us trials, as it's written down here, it is to strengthen our faith. When the enemy sends us trials or temptations, it is to destroy our faith. So now Christians, we have to understand this. We have to accept this, that despite the hard prayers and sincere prayers and the many prayers and the long prayers that we ask God, sometimes He will allow trials in our lives. But we have to trust that He knows what He's doing. Amen? We have to trust that God knows. God knows our pain. God knows the deepest recesses of our hearts. God knows the tolerance. God knows that we cannot handle it anymore. And you know what? Most of the time, He lets that happen because we have to let go of what we think we can do. You know, the, again, I, I, I said this two years or three years ago, and, and I still hear it here and there at church, and I want to share it again, that the saying that God will not give us anything that we cannot handle, that's not from the Bible. That's from the world, okay? The point of the matter is God will send us things that we cannot handle so that we can say, Lord, I cannot do this, and God will say, now you're getting it. Give it to me so I can take it from you. Amen? Now, the second point is God moves in ordinary, in the ordinary as much as in the spectacular. Because sometimes we only expect God moving in like, you know, because He does, right? He burning bush, 
type of experience, right? Walking on water. And, and look at, um, because this is what happened with uh, Elijah in, in 1 Kings 9 to 13. Uh, there he spent into, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Uh, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, or zealous. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He's praying. He's having a conversation with God. The Lord said, Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. That's, that's the spectacular, right? You know something big is coming, right? Or has passed by and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, sometimes we think God only speaks in a loud manner, in a marvelous manner, in an obvious manner. We forget that God also speaks in the subtlest way, right? Like a whisper, right? But you know, when, you're, when we're so deep in our sin, when we're so deep in us feeling sorry for ourselves, we cannot hear God. We cannot hear God, even if it's so obvious that God is just doing all these things to get our attention, we're not hearing Him. My prayer is that we, we get to be like Elijah, that in that whisper, in that whisper, God taught Elijah an important message that we would do well to heed today when we hear His whisper. Is there anything in your life, in your relationship with God, that is, it's, you've been ignoring? I don't know what it is. It could be very obvious. It could not be very obvious for you. But again, what most of the time what's blinding us is our stubbornness because of our sin. And despite the fact that God is just like waving, Hello! I'm right here. I'm trying to get your attention. But we don't, we don't. But we, you know, but God is so gracious that He will do it even in, in, in a small whisper, whether it's in your reading or a voice of, uh, from your child, right? Because we cannot be too proud to say, oh, God will never speak to me through my child. You know, most of the time, we, as a parent, my, God has used my children many times. To remind me or to tell me what His will is for me in my life. Now there's, look at verse 11. But the Lord was not in the wind. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. But the Lord was not in the fire. Sometimes we want to tell God, this is how you're going to speak to me, Lord. If you speak to me this way, then I'll know you have spoken. Then I'll receive your message then we'll be good. Can we really force God's hand? No, some people think they can, but we can't. If we can force God's hand, that doesn't make Him God. Amen? That makes you God. I should be careful with that because some people might think they are God. Right? I know somebody is a son of God. Now, he's wanted by the FBI. Anyway, um, 
Uh, there's an illustration here uh, that I have here. When our problems don't seem to be answered, we can be tempted to think God has vanished. We limp through the desert believing we've been abandoned. God, where's the wind? God, where's the earthquake? God, where's the healing? Lord, God, where's the miracle? Lord, where's the clients? Lord, where's, where's the people? Where's, where's the husband? Where's the wife? Where's the comfort? Right? Yet despite these feelings, God has not abandoned us in our pain. Amen? He'll whisper in a mountain view a piece of art or through a, a passage of scripture. That's the silence that's so difficult to accept. The silence Louis Albert Banks felt when he got the news that he had cancer and he cannot sing to God anymore. And also felt by our other fellow believers who have experienced trials. And then God seemed to be quiet. God seemed to not be there. And it, God seemed to not care. Somebody's knocking. Should I open in Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 27, Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now, what's, why am I giving this, this, this example? Because God speaks in the ordinary ways too, Correct? in the simplest ways to, that we, sometimes we do not expect. Saul was introduced, a simple introduction by Barnabas, somebody who was very well respected by the church. He took on Saul because everybody hated Saul, right? Saul was the guy who captured, imprisoned, and tortured, and sentenced believers to death. So now here's Barnabas bringing Saul to the church meeting and telling everybody, look, I've done, I've seen this guy, I've heard him speak, and God speaks through him. God is working through him. Such a simple thing. A simple introduction. But God spoke volumes through that simple action of Barnabas. Did you know that as simple as your invitation for your friends and for your family and your co-workers to church can possibly save them, right? Well, number one, if they come, they will hear the gospel. That's for sure. Whether they come here or you do the simple introduction of your life before Christ, you give your testimony, how your life was, and then you tell them about Jesus. As simple as that, God can work humongous things to ordinary people because we're ordinary, correct? In a simple and ordinary way, God works. Now, the third point. We are not alone in our problems. Um, okay, no. The third point, I don't have the third point, but the third point is we are not alone in our problems. Now, there, I have an illustration here. Um, now, Bong became a doctor. Um, yes, he became a doctor and he had a patient named Andres. Um, so Bong said to his patient, Andres, he said, I have bad news and worse news. So the patient goes, okay, let's have it. He, go, and then he goes, how can, how can it be worse from bad to worse? Okay, I want to hear it, Andres said. Now Dr. Bong said, 
The bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. Then the patient Andres goes, I can't imagine what could be worse than that. And then Dr. Bong goes, I forgot to tell you this yesterday. <laughs> Here's a problem. <laughs> That's lawsuit waiting to happen. Okay, no. Um, it's okay. You know, we're being attacked. This is what's happening, right? We get new equipment. We try, we try it out. We get attacked, you know, to distract us. Try to stay with me. In 1 Kings 19... Verse 13 to 18, it reads, When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing, Elijah? All right, and then he replied, I am be been very ze zealous for the Lord. Um, then the Lord, go back. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king, of Ar king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, Elijah found himself on a mountain called Horeb. Horeb is generally considered to be another name for Mount Sinai. The Torah tells us that this is the place where God initiated his covenant relationship with the Israelites after delivering them from the Egyptian slavery. You guys all know that story, right? By leading him to Horeb, God suddenly reminded Elijah of his past faithfulness. Even though the present seemed bleak, God didn't forget about the prophet's ancestors. He wouldn't forget Elijah either. Elijah seems to think that he is the only one in all Israel that hasn't given up his faith. But God tells him about others who will be helping, who are willing to help him. On top of those individuals, there are 7,000 Israelites who have not bowed down to Baal. Now this is where church plays a huge part when a trial comes our way there's no there's no other way to handle that on our own well you can but it's very difficult if you try to handle it on your own correct and this is where belonging to a church family comes into play so much and then going back on the ordinary things that god can speak through ordinary things a simple text message right from a brother or a sister from the church checking on you when you have COVID or when you're sick, kind of lifts you up, correct? Right? I think so. It, it, did, it did it for me, you know. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, you're thinking, because you're, when you're sick, you feel this self-pity mode. You get into that self-pity mode, right? I'm going to die. I'm dying. And then you look at your phone. Nobody loves me. Nobody's texting. Nobody cares that I'm not at church, right? And then you get a text like, hey, you know, are you okay? We're praying for you. You want food? And you're like, oh, I'm done. Fall, number one. Right? It's a, it's, this, is where, this is where God reminds us. Sometimes it does feel like God's not there. It would it, be difficult for us to always tell ourselves, God hasn't left me. Right? Because you're alone with your trials. Sometimes we're not, 
we're not very bold to share our trials too with other believers, right? Because either it's because we're, we're ashamed or we just don't want to burden other people. We don't want to take it on our own. But this is where a belonging to a church body plays a huge part because then you feel God's love through them, right? We feel God's love and God's care through each other. And then again, it, we, we should, it pays to remind ourselves of this verse, Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Can you imagine that? God the Almighty goes with us through our trials. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Now one New Year's Day in the Tournament of Roses Parade, a beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quit. It ran out of gas. The whole parade was held up until someone could get a can of gas for this float, for this vehicle. Now the amusing thing was that the, this float represented the Standard Oil Company. <laughs> they don't know who that is. A, a gas company <laughs> that ran out of gas. With its vast oil resources, its truck was out of gas. Now often, Christians neglect their spiritual maintenance, and though they are clothed with power, as it is said in Luke, Luke 24, 49, we find ourselves out of gas. Why? Because we don't remember, we forget who we belong to, we don't plug into our source, our main source, we just run out of the door and tackle the day with our strength and our might. And then we get trials and then we say, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And then take me now, Lord. Right? Now here's the verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not, give, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, that's where you can say God will not give you what you cannot handle when it comes to temptations, right? He, he will always give you a way out. He knows it because God doesn't, God doesn't tempt us. God sends us trials, but He doesn't tempt us. And He will not give us beyond what we cannot bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so you, that you can endure it. When you fall into your temptation... God is still so good and loving and gracious that He will give you a way out from that. That's what it means. You've already fallen and He will give you a way out from that so you can endure it. Now look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7-12. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But He said, My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weaknesses in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me verse 10 that that is why christ for christ's sake i delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties for when i am weak then i am strong look at that is there anything that you're going through in your life that you cannot handle anymore? Praise God. Tell God that. Because at that point, you should hear God's word saying, My grace is sufficient for you. 
My grace is sufficient for you. You're saying, Lord, I, I, I made a bad investment. I'm, I'm, I'm losing money. I lost money. What is God saying? My grace is sufficient for you. Why? Why? Because God promised, right? Do not worry about these things, right? Do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Because all those things, God will always provide, correct? And then is His grace enough for the day? Yes, His grace is sufficient for us. And His promises, do not worry about tomorrow, for today has its own problems. But then God says that He will never, for, he will never leave us. So when you think, when you, when you go through these trials that you're going through, and you're just, your, your spirit is just weak, celebrate. But then you have to admit, Lord, I can no longer do this. And that's why Paul, the great Paul, right? Before this verses in 7 and 12, if you read chapter 12, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you will see Paul talking about, Paul talking about the, the, the heaven, him seeing a glimpse of heaven. God gave him a vision of heaven, a preview. And then, and then he talks about his weakness. Basically, he's saying, I have been given the privilege to take a view of heaven, but then God still gave me a trial. And I've prayed. Imagine, he has, remember when he was preaching and somebody fell asleep and, and died? If you go in Acts, you will see that. And then he prayed for the person and, and the, the person uh, resurrected. But then Paul cannot heal himself. God's not allowing him to heal himself. Because why? Because Paul needed to feel, to humble him. You know, sometimes the trials, our failures is to humble us, to remind us, listen, see, this is why you needed me. You cannot live your life consistently. You see, you fell again. This is why you need to humble yourself. You see, you sinned too. This is why you cannot judge others. Because you yourself, you're not perfect. You see, this is happening. You know, when, when we fail, when we fail, when we sin, there's no, there's no pride, especially if we're being honest. God is there to remind us, this is why my grace is sufficient for you. You are not keeping yourselves saved as much as you did not save yourselves. But because of my grace for you, you can continue, right? Imagine you having a failure in life and then the people that are around you are just kicking you while you're down. Well, that's what happens because you're prideful, right? Or how would you respond then? Will you be encouraged or discouraged? I think you will be discouraged. I will be discouraged. But then when somebody tells me, you know what? Everybody falls. But God saved us through His grace. God has already covered that fall. You know what? Just take His hand, get up, and let's finish this race together. That's essentially what Paul is saying there. Now, though, though it can be easy to think that you have to deal with your problems alone, God has given you other, you other believers in the church who want to help you with whatever you are experiencing. We can also look to God's work in the past as inspiration for the future, right? It's so easy to just feel the pain. It's human nature. When we're in our trials, when we're in our difficulties, it's just human nature to feel the punches, the kicks, and everything else. And it's so easy to not remember the days, the years, the times where God saved us and rescued us from the, from the other heartbreaks, from the other difficulties that we went through. 
That's why it's good to remind ourselves that God has rescued us before and He can do it again. Amen? And this is why it's good as Christian brothers and sisters, when a brother or a sister confides to us about their struggles, it is good to not sound like you know it all, but rather sound like this. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. Oh, Pastor Joe, I'm sorry I didn't go to church because, you know, something else came up, like Super Bowl. <laughs> Your, God's grace is sufficient for you, right? It should be like that, right? It should be that way because that's what God tells us. When we have fallen, when we have, we have given in, what does God say? I have paid for it. It is finished. Amen? Amen. Uh, this is the conclusion. What is the greatest sign of God's presence in your life? Anybody want to take that? I have four seconds. Jesus. Jesus is the greatest sign of God's presence to all of us Christians. That empty cross is a, is a great proof, a great reminder for all of us that our God is alive. And He said that He is with us and He will never forsake us. Rather than leaving us to die on our, on our own sin, Jesus came to earth to redeem us. And death could not keep Him down. When times are difficult and when we struggle to hear God's voice, we can find hope and peace in looking to the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at Him, the perfect sacrifice. He gave Himself for you. Just look at Him. That's why He's, remember it. My grace is sufficient for you. I paid it all. I was the sin offering. That's what Christ is saying. I spilled my blood for you. And death could not keep Him. For those who are struggling today, take time to reflect on God's grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your message. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. I don't know what people are going through, Lord God, and what, what you do. And I pray, Father, that we will all just, uh, just trust in your words when you said your grace is sufficient for us. When we feel alone, Lord God, in times of difficulties, we can feel alone, Lord God. Remind us, Lord God, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I pray for comfort for those who are hurting. I pray for rescue for those who are in trouble. And Father, I pray for protection for all of us, Lord God, who is experiencing your protection, your blessing, and your guidance. Be with us all, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you for your patience. Let's all rise for the closing song. Mm -hmm.